Oh, now it goes. Okay. Okay, cool. All Whew. right. Uh, yeah, the cameras. Uh, yeah, the. Um, let me check. Let me let me check the camera real quick. All right. One's good on Coach Clark. Two's good on both of you. Uh, three is good, and on you. So we'll all start off with uh, the intro on um on you, Sean. Camera three. Then we we'll go into camera two real quick, and then we we'll just go right into the right into your first question, and just go regularly. Okay. All right. And I'm trying the intro, so bear with me. I might mess up a couple times. You're fine. Alrighty. All right. I'll give you. Do you want me to give you a countdown? Uh, yep. All right. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. Give it a minute. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Sean Williams back at it again with another episode of Elephant in the Room, where we talk about. No, I need to do that again. You're good. Mm -hmm. No, I wrote it down, so I'm trying to see if I can remember that. Alrighty. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Sean Williams, back at it again with another episode of Elephant in the Room, where we figure out where people start, where they finish, to let you know that you can do it too. Let's address the elephant in the room. I am here with my guest today, John Clark. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Sean. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in upstate New York and a family of seven kids. And um, now I have 17 nieces and nephews. Just about to start my sixth season here at Sacred Heart University, and uh, really looking forward. Although I have to say, this is my first season coaching without you being a student athlete on the team, so oh. it's a little bittersweet, Sean. Yeah, no, it is. Me and John Clark, Coach Clark, have started at the same time, and I graduated with my master's and getting ready to move on. And this will be the first year without me. Like you said, it is crazy. You know, time really does fly, but you know, um, it's a good time, not a long time. <laughs> I like it. And, and it's so great to be here because uh, what you're doing here with the podcast is something that you've had a vision for for a long time. And to see it come to fruition is really special. You know, there's so many things that we all want to do that we actually never get put the pen to the ink. And uh, we want to make sure that we are really make you know making progress and and satisfying our goals and so i really appreciate you uh fulfilling a commitment and doing really well at it absolutely thank you so much you know it's not easy and it's just getting started but i do have a dream i want to run with it and i'm gonna do everything i can you know i'm working with people and like i was telling coach before we started um if i don't know what's going on i'm gonna ask for help but then again, I'm very passionate about what I'm doing. And I think it's really the passion that carries you through the adversity in life. And that's just something that you should have. And this is just the biggest reason why uh, us as motivational speakers say, you know, follow what makes you happy, because then the struggles and everything won't be as bad because you'll enjoy the process. Um, but other than that, you know, uh, what's up with you? You know, what, what happened uh, to your brother? Yeah. So um, just finished this year, but this year was full of a lot of great things, but also some really tough things. Um, back in September, I lost my younger brother um, with a, a battle of alcoholism and uh, something that he really struggled with for several years. And so it was really tough uh, for our family. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that has been really sad and, and really see tough to see him struggle for as long as he did. 
No, I don't like that. Stop. Stop. I'm going to go with question two first to get more into it. Okay. And then we'll go into that. And you talk about your brother briefly like we did the last time. Yeah. That's my fault, not you. You did great. Okay. All right. So I'm going to start from that question. Okay. And then we'll obviously I'll edit it up. So here we go. So you come from a big family. You were one of seven. You're the third youngest. As the third youngest, what was the expectation for you? And were you a role model? And did other siblings look up to you, especially the younger ones? Yeah, I think it, it took a while for me to have my place and my say and my voice be heard in the, in the sense of, you know, there's uh, older siblings in front of me. So when you have three older sisters and, and an older brother, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of listening initially. And then as they went on to college and you, you kind of uh, become the leader of the family. And so over time, it was nice to learn from them, to have mentors from mentorship from them to become a leader that I am now. That's amazing. So you had seven or one second. I'm just trying to, I'm going to, I want to listen yeah. to you too, instead of just waiting for the question, just something new. I'm trying. Yeah. yeah. You're an athlete. You went to Ohio State University. What was the dynamic of sports in your family? There's one, there's seven of you. I'm assuming you all were competitive. What was that like? It was very unique. Uh, not only that, we grew up about 10 minutes outside of town and uh, on 167 acres of land. And so we weren't ever allowed to say that we were bored. We always had to be creative. And uh, people would make fun of us from town and say, what do you guys do for fun? Throw the rock up against the barn? And, and basically, it was just a silly analogy of like, we had to be creative. And uh, through that, we became athletic. We played every sport that you possibly could. At one point, we were, we were the player, we were the announcer, we were the coach, and we were the other team all in one play sometimes because you had to, right? You didn't have the, the teammates, all the, all the cool people were in town with all their friends and it was our family, but you know what? It got us uh, really athletic and it really paid off. In fact, there's uh, three national champs that grew up on our road. Wow. Um, other wrestlers in the middle of nowhere, but we always say that we got tough and we got grizzled because we were able to, you know, just be out in the wilderness, I guess, and, and be creative. And, and we weren't spoiled by all the nice facilities. We just kind of rolled up our sleeves and got to work. You're a two-time All-American, correct? That's correct. Um, do you, would you say that success runs in the family? I think success is something that for me was a lot easier because I saw it happen um, for my brother and also for my dad as a coach. And I, I used to ask my brother, how did you know that you could be so successful? Like, how did you win nationals in high school and college Absolutely. when you didn't have an older brother? And I respect the heck out of that just because, you know, at least my brother paved the way for me. And it was something that I could follow. And even though I didn't end up winning a high school or a collegiate national championship, 
it, it, it kind of taught me, wow, I can be special. And that was really nice to have not only my dad, but also my older brother to, to look upon my success for. You talk about looking upon success. Would you, do you want others to succeed as much as you did and your family does? How do you translate that? Because a lot of times there are athletes you hear about that, you know, are national champs are so successful, but they can't coach. They can't really translate that to helping others. How is that transition for you coming to, you know, coming from being a two-time All-American to now coaching kids who were successful in high school and um, are getting ready to be good in college? But it's just, wh where exactly is that disconnect, would you say? Um, and you being successful, and how does that make you feel versus your athletes not really achieving the same level of success as you? Well, I, I think the most important thing when you are done being an athlete is you realize it's, it's not about you anymore, and it's about helping others. And that, and that is really special because so many times people like coaching even more than their playing days. And it doesn't really matter what sport it is because to be able to help someone achieve their dreams and – really realize their full potential and see them from when they came in and someone like yourself who not only undergraduate but graduate degree and the amount of times that you represented our team at the conference tournament that was so special for me to see far more than anything that I was able to do in, in college and so that's why coaching just comes so natural to me because I enjoy that so much to see that it's, it's no different than sometimes you could use the analogy of like giving a gift as opposed to receiving a gift. It's always nice getting gifts, but to me, I love giving gifts, and that's what coaching is. You're giving the gifts and the knowledge that you have to help facilitate the student-athlete experience, and the quicker and the more efficient way that you can do that, the better coach you're going to be. Absolutely, and I think that comes with, you know, Coach Clark is a really good coach in the way that he doesn't just celebrate the big victories. You know, being a two-time All-American and, and being in a very successful family, there are big achievements that happen, but he has a lot of emphasis on the little accomplishments. I mean, there are times where I'm in the wrestling room and, you know, we're going over a move and I achieved that move. And he's celebrating as if, you know, we just won a national championship or something. How important do you think that is in the development of not only the individual, but as an athlete? I think it's really important. I mean, I, I wrote a book and uh, started it during COVID and about took about uh, four months to write. But basically, the, the title was All I Ask For Is Improvement. And that is really special because I don't care if it's learning to play the guitar, learning how to wrestle, or anywhere in between. As long as you're better the next day, that's what it's about. And in order to get better, you have to have a passion for it, and you have to have a great coach. And so to me, it's really important when you can let people know the small victories they have to realize that that's one step in the journey to becoming closer to the goal that you want to accomplish. And so I feel like as a mentor, I learned that. I learned that every year you should have a better record as an athlete. And every year you should have a higher expectation of yourself. There's no such thing as doing worse than you did the previous year. And that was something that I really want for our team. I mean, you look at our team, we went two and five or two and 10 the first year, five and seven the next year, eight and six the next year. We had two national qualifiers the following year. A little bit of a tough uh, season this past year, but hey, four years in a row where you're showing great improvement. That's really uh, what epitomizes sports. 
And it was nice as I'm saying that and preaching that and you're seeing it right in front of us. Everyone was so engaged because it wasn't just words. It was actually results. And it was just so contagious to come to practice. Be like, we're, we're actually doing this. Yeah. When you get momentum going like that, you just have to continue and you hope that it translates. Do you think that it's very important to have faith not only in yourself, but in everybody else around you as, as a coach, you know, your teammates, having faith in your teammates? You think that's important? I think it's it's very important. I mean, it's lonely, especially in a sport of wrestling. And, you know, as we're wrestling with bigger and bigger, bigger crowds and tougher competition, you're, you're kind of out there by yourself. And mm-hmm. it's only you against the other person that you're wrestling. And many times, especially of late, wrestling in these big duels, and you don't have anyone to rely on. And so if you can give someone uh, a, a little hope, a little bit of faith, it's it's really special. And on top of that, there's been several times when a match is about to start and I come down to the room to get you guys to go upstairs to wrestle at the pit center here at Sacred Heart mm-hmm. and you guys are in prayer and that is special. And I didn't tell you guys to do that and we're able to do that at a school like this and it's really nice to see that and very refreshing. And if people don't want to participate, they don't have to, but to have people that are leading like that and taking ownership to start that on their own accord, that is leadership and that is really cool that they can have fellowship with each other yeah and and team bonding as well as you know being there for each other is very important with that being said wrestling is a very stressful sport mentally physically your body will be under a lot of stress during the season and you know you make that apparent how important is it for a athlete a college athlete to have good mental health Matter of fact, what does mental health mean to you as a wrestling coach in such a physical sport? Yeah, I, I think you epitomized everything. You talk about the physical side and you talk about the mental side. And I think that's something that isn't often talked about as much as it should be because it's really something that is uh, brought to light a, a lot more than it was in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's great because we, we've all had that time where we feel flustered or we're not feeling ourselves, or something happens to us and, and it impacts. I don't care if it's school. I don't care if it's a relationship. I don't care if it's just something that is not making you feel good. And you, you talk about even the physical side, if you're cutting weight, if that is not in homeostasis and a good, clean environment, you're not going to be performing at your highest level. And so I think it's really important that people stress, coaches, athletes really have those discussions that maybe they didn't have before about the physical and mental health. And I was talking earlier today about with someone that one of the things that I feel like, especially lately, is the nutrition isn't perfect as it was before. We have Not all these all. energy drinks and we have all these candies yeah really high in sugar stuff and 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 it's tough and that and that depending on what you believe it it can impact your mental health side as well you're not maybe feeling uh being fed the nutrients and and you talk about the stresses of a season you need to be putting the right things in your body and in all fairness to a lot of student athletes out there it's not totally their fault because they think what they're putting in their body is good and and because it temporarily makes them feel good but it's something that is not sustaining. And so as we're trying to get to the highest levels, it's really important in, in the coming years, not only to feed the right uh, nutrition to your body, but also as a coach, be able to recognize when someone is not quite themselves mm-hmm. and to ask them, is everything okay? And, you know, of course, wins and 
losses are, are how we're evaluated. But, you know, as the longer I'm in coaching, the more I realize there's so many different ways that you can be evaluated, but more than being evaluated, how many different ways you can impact a student athlete's career. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of extracurriculars that come into play when it when you deal with an athlete on and off the mat. Is there ever times where people partake in the wrong extracurriculars and how does that impact your goals as well as for your individual teammates or goals for you? Let me rephrase that. Extracurriculars play a big part in uh, athletes development um, on and off the mat. Was there ever was there ever a point in time where you had to have a conversation with somebody or have lost somebody due to extracurriculars? Yeah, um, it, it happened as as an athlete. You know, you'd have teammates that aren't doing the right things, and in myself and fellow teammates, especially classmates, we all came in in the number one recruiting class in the country, and Ohio State wasn't always what they are today, and we've kind of built it up to where it was and then it's gone even further since we've left and so but we paid that foundation by trying to change the culture and putting it in the right way and part of changing the culture is when you see people that are not doing the right things and partaking in some things that they shouldn't be it really leads them down a bad path and and so that that kind of leads into behaviors that can be silent long-term behaviors that are hard to escape and so me personally, I, I know it firsthand because I, I, I lost a brother in September to, you know, a long battle with alcoholism. And, and it wasn't just one day where he had it. It was it was over a period of time. And, and here's someone who owned two homes, very, very successful. Everything in his life was was going perfectly. And, and you see someone struggle with that. And so I see it as, as an athlete and, and, and to lose a sibling was was just devastating. What happened to your brother? So he. Um, struggled, as I said, with alcoholism, but in the end, he ended up passing from it on September 21st of this past year. And, um, you know, it was something that when someone said, you know, he would tell me I'm an alcoholic and I'm struggling from alcoholism. And he would tell the nurses that too. And I'm like, what's alcoholism? Like, you're just like, what does that even mean? I didn't know there was an ism after alcohol, right? I didn't, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And he would say, I'm going to detox and, and rehab. I'm like, I don't even know the difference. What What's detox and what's rehab? And I could probably figure it out, but I didn't know that stuff. And I didn't know there were places that you could go. And, and so this is something that I had really a world that I didn't know a lot about. And I had to educate myself and do everything I could to try to help them. Um, but as they say, you know, it's, it's something that the person has to help them themselves. And so you, you, you try and you do everything. And my family did everything that we could to help them realize that. And it was really tough to see um, it unfold the way it did. And, and, you know, it's just so many, so many uh, just struggles that he went through. Um, and, and as we celebrate here on July 2nd, his memorial service, just to see that happen and unfold is, is just so terribly sad. And unfortunately, from what I've learned from people telling me stories and just what I've heard from other people is, uh, you know, just he's not alone. Substance abuse is, is very prevalent in our society. Absolutely. And it's just it's just sad to see such. You know, because I think when I tell people that I lost my brother, they, they picture this person who 
really didn't have it together. I mean, this guy had it all. He had a he had a place in downtown Boston. He had a summer home in New Hampshire, and really just so many other things that just were all swept away over some dependency that he had. So, alcoholism is like you said a serious issue. Um, having someone that you know struggled with alcohol um, an alcohol problem. What do you have to say for people who are going through similar things with their siblings? Like, what's your advice? The tough thing, and I and I get that a lot, and, and people have reached out to me, you know, because they've 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 had someone who might be struggling, and you know, the 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 toughest thing is, especially the way it ended, it wasn't like there wasn't one thing that you can say that that makes it better. But I, I will say, whether it's alcoholism or anything else, is that address it early, and get help early. Because once you get dependent, I mean, I would see his hand shake and I would see and I, I'm like, what is this? Like, I've never seen that before in my life. So if I've never seen, I'm almost 42 years old, like people need to educate themselves and also realize, you know, that's that's one thing that everyone should be, you know, check on people around you. And most of the time when things aren't going great, especially for someone who's doing really well and, and very successful, you, you, it's sort of our responsibility to, to see if something is not 100% before it gets too late. And that would be my biggest lesson. On top of that, I would make sure that you take the time to address it properly, no matter what your habit is or what anything that you're, even if you're trying to work on something with yourself, take the time to get all the way better. Don't put a Band-Aid on something. And we've all maybe just, you know, kind of swept things under the rug and, and it the, the the problem doesn't get better. You know, I always thought that it would have been better if, if, if people that are struggling with that, that they take a year to get better. And I think with our society, it's sometimes like it's hard to do that because we are always focused on what to do next and we're worried about this and that. And it's like, no, but if, if you're not completely right, you're not going to be successful like you were because it's a shell of yourself. Absolutely. And as a, a leader, a coach, a teacher, and a student, and you know, you are de you definitely embody the image of doing the right thing and being good and doing the you know, having a character building moment where you are doing the right thing all the time. You emphasize that to your students and your athletes. What what would you say is your goal? the ideal individual person outs off the wrestling mat you know you you've had a lot of people around you or a few people around you that um struggle with alcohol problem and you have some athletes that struggle with alcohol problems so it just seems like there's just a circle of people that are doing bad things around you and you're like that center of just good and hope what what is your definition or what would you how would you how would you i'm gonna do that again there is this reoccurring pattern of you advocating for good individuals in wrestling and out and off the map. There is a hold on, give me one second. There is this reoccurring pattern of people struggling with alcoholism, not only in the world, but you know, in the wrestling room, out of the wrestling room. And you are somebody that likes to follow the rules and is a great person of character. How do you 
suggest or what advice would you give to other people to get back on the straight and narrow? I think the best advice is it, it's not worth it. You know, um, there's going to be temptation no matter how young or old you are. And there, you know, it is sad to see because some people fall victim to temptation. And, you know, I, I'm certainly not perfect. I, I try to live the best life I can, but I, I, I never feel like making the wrong decision is, is ever worth it. And, and, and you don't want to skirt that line of, oh, well, it's not that bad. You know, and so it, we're in a position that we're looked at every day for leadership. And, and I embrace that as a coach. And I, I want to be someone that can be a rock for these people to look up to because ultimately they're going to listen to me. It just takes sometimes they listen when they're in school and other times, and I've been coaching long enough where I get calls with student athletes in their thirties that are saying, coach, it, it's clicking what you told me. And that's where it's worth it. I, obviously we have a short four or five window where we have to see results on the on the mats, you know, and that's what the coaches are evaluated on, but there's so much more. It's a lifetime. And as I go to weddings and, and now been in coaching for so long, I see some people doing some amazing things and it's really nice to see it when they figure it out because unfortunately, um, some people that struggled when they were student athletes in, in college, you see some of those same patterns when, when they graduate. And so there's elements now, even to this day, where I'm still going to lunch with them and, and fellowshipping with them in a way that I can help them um, try to realize that it's not too late to even improve yourself. And so that's that to me is something that will never end and, and why I've chosen this field of coaching. Absolutely. You know, I, not only um, did you lose your brother, but you also lost one of your students. Uh, was it a year and a half ago about that? Um, tell us about what that was like. It's kind of, again, you know, consecutive in a way. You, you lose, you lost your brother and you lost a, uh, a student. How, how is that? I mean, is that the reason why you check up on everybody all the time and go on a lunch with alumni and everything? Yeah, I mean, I do it because I love them. And I'm not afraid to say that. And, and I do it because I know that sometimes people need someone to talk to. And there's so many, you just gave a couple examples, and there's so many more of, of some sad stories that go along with it. Um, but what I want to do is encourage people to be like someone like yourself. I, I would tell you, you're like an extension of the coaching staff. It is not a job that can be done just by me. Oh, thank you. And I really believe like your impact can get, very effective like even what you're doing right now someone that's going to listen to this it might be feeding to exactly what they need to hear absolutely so that we can help someone down the line because that is my it's always been my mission to help but now as i see people that i can see it sean like when i when i look at someone i can see struggle in their face and i know and they're like how'd you know i was struggling some people wear it and i have been around it long enough where i can know but whether you can see it or not Try to try to open your mind to think of it like that. And you know what? Those same people that I was helping also helped me when I was in it. And, and I would tell if, hey, if I ever need your help, I know you'll be there for me. And they were. And that's beautiful because, you know, we're, we're all going to be uh, reflecting on how we treat people, especially when we're not with them all the time. I mean, there's I haven't been back to. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, where, you know, at Ohio State, where I went to school in nine years. Wow. And I still have to have those friends, not have to have, but those are still some of my best friends. 
And I have to make sure that I am staying connected with them to, to look out for them too, because some of those people may be struggling, but also some of my people might be trying to do some legendary stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's not just always about helping people. It's also about empowering. And I think sometimes we always, are, are you okay? But it's also like, how can I make you become legendary? I mean, I have some friends that are on the verge of some amazing things. And so whether it's I can compliment them in a way to get them to, to the top or I can help them from the very bottom to get them into an even keel. That's special. I mean, you're, you're just an inspiring person altogether. I mean, I think you impact everyone altogether. And that's a great gift and quality to have. You see now, like you said, you see so many people that are achieving or on the verge of achieving great things. As a person, do you ever care for credit or want it back? Or are you a type of person where it's like, I'm fine. I'll just keep helping and helping, helping because I love to do it. Do you expect it in return? No, I don't. And, and it's something that I um, I don't believe in, you know, hey, don't tell this person, you know, what, what I said. Or I, I believe in being an open book because I believe that ultimately they'll, they'll if they want to thank you, they, they will. Um, but that's not why you do it. You do it out of the goodness of your heart. And I, I had someone just recently really bless me with an amazing gift. Um, and it was just really special to me that when we're helping people and people are helping me, it, it just passes around a, a vibe that is very contagious. And I don't want any credit. And the people that have done great things for me they don't want any credit. I mean, I just I just bought a house in early May, and we had our first renters here at the end of June. And Sean, when I bought the house, there wasn't a shovel, a rake, nothing, empty. Wow. And I had a month and a half to get that thing ready. And the amount of people that stepped up because I'm I'm five six hours away, and the amount of people just. It, it makes me so emotional to think of how people gave it themselves. You call them two in the morning and they're like, Hey, I'm at, I'm at your place right now. I'm trying to make it a little bit better. So wow. when people, when I'm helping a lot of people, the amount of people that help you, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I wow. mean, you know, and that, and that's what's special about it. And they don't want anything in return. Just like I don't want anything in return. But it's so, even though it's so tiring, and I and I wear it with the bags in my eyes, but, mm -hmm. but it's so energizing. And it's kind of like my philosophy on life. You, you will have more energy if you get the job done than if you don't do much and you want to relax and you have that lingering duties and responsibilities that lay ahead of you. The anticipation of a car ride is far worse than the actual car ride. Hmm. And so when we are putting, you know, when and when I'm giving of myself, getting here early, leaving late, it is so energizing. When people are doing that for me and getting my house prepared to rent, that is so energizing for them. And I encourage everyone to to just give back because people in this in this climate right now they need it. You look to the left and right, people are struggling. And these last two years, two and a half years, have been really tough on a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that have stepped up to, to really help out and they'll forever be legends to me because our team, our, our, our family here at Sacred Heart, 
but also across the country. It's, it's been trying. And it's been special to see those leaders emerge. And I tell people all the time, Sean, you developed, what is it, wrestling is life and life is wrestling. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, we're seeing that firsthand. Mm-hmm. That's really special. So there's this thing, it's called manifesting, um, you know, where some people believe that if you, you know, put something out into the world, it'll show up. Are you a firm believer in somebody that if I put that energy, let me rephrase that. Wrestling is a sport where you had a captain back in the day, Gerard Daly. He said he wasn't, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said that I'm not upset with the results that I got because I put in what I got out. He, a lot of the times he would always say, he wouldn't say much, but Gerard was a, one of our special um, wrestlers because he would say, you know, you, you, get out, you, get out of, you get out of it what you put in. Do you believe that you can translate that to life? And, you know, I, you've actually seen it where you have reached out to people, you didn't ask for anything in return, and now people are reaching back to you. Yeah. Do you believe that that manifestation, that, that your idea has really gone out into the world and came back? Um, yeah, I mean, first foremost, Gerard is very special and always will be. And, and, you know, it's so important that you bring that up, but it's also important that I let everyone know how special that person is. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, you know, it's definitely one way to look at it. It's definitely, um, an interesting perspective and, and so many times, um, and, and being at the age that I'm at, there's more of what i'm it's it's to me it's like that it's like watching a movie and and you see someone in that movie that did something small and then becomes a big part towards the end of it mm-hmm. and so basically what happens is you're you're saying something very small i mean i had a recent alum come and ask for financial advice today that maybe one day when they're a millionaire they're going to come in and thank me for that, right? Not that I want thank, but it, it helped them along the way in that yeah. internship. And so I'm not necessarily thinking that it's going to come around or it, it's going to, you know, somehow work its way back into it. But it, 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 it is like that movie where it's like you have an impact on people even when you don't think you did. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important to uh, to realize because sometimes you don't feel like you're, you know, the, I mean, after you losing a brother and, 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 you know, it's tough to lead when, when you're in a situation like that, but you still have to, and then you have to show strength and courage during that time. And when you're able to do that, you can be a good example for someone when they say they're struggling with something and you got them through it. Absolutely. And, and so it kind of comes full circle, even though, but, but I like how, how you laid it out that way. Absolutely. If you were to leave, your audience with a few words on if if they're going through a certain situation like you where they've gone through so much adversity but are still willing to help people and not expect anything in return what would be your words of wisdom to them or advice that you would give those people look into that yeah I, i would say to take care of yourself and to make sure that you are you know they say that on the plane right take care of yourself before you help others absolutely and we don't always do the best job of taking care of ourselves. and and so i i would encourage you and everyone else to make sure that you're really uh in in a good spot to be able to help 
Now, I personally believe that once you take care of yourself, you will be able to help yourself even more as you help other people. And so I encourage everyone to reach out for help, reach out to me, reach out to Sean, um, if they're ever in need, but also take a note of what we're doing. This is a lifelong dream for Sean and it's coming to fruition right before our eyes. And so when I sit here and I see this, this embodies a small picture of life right here where you write down your goals and you have that. And this episode is great and we're gonna like looking back at it, but we're also gonna like in 10 years from now when we do another one of these hopefully and see how far you've come and the audience that you have. And so I just love to see your persistence you being able to overcome a lot of adversity. And so your very question is basically the question that can be answered through the, the work of your label to your labor to get this podcast going. And when it comes to fruition, it basically shows no matter how much adversity you've had or you've overcome, it can be amazing because you're so persistent. You have to succeed and you're going to succeed. And it's going to be awesome to see. And I look forward to referencing this uh, episode here in the next 10 years. John Clark has been an amazing episode. Thank you for listening to or watching Elephant in the Room. This is me, Sean Williams. Let me work on the outro. Thank you, John Clark, once again for showing up on the our podcast. This has been an episode of Elephant in the Room. We'll see you next time. This is good. Stefan, you can stop it. Okay, do you want one more pull a card out? Uh, no, leave the card in. No. Episode is questionable. You did fantastic. <laughs>